Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in Or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again You need some market reconnection We got the answers to your questions No second thoughts or second guessing You need some market reconnection The real question is this How does a seven-figure business regain traction in the market? How do we reconnect with our audience? How do we stop worrying about our competitors? taking over and find the peace of mind and certainty within the marketplace. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Ivan Temelkov. This is Market Reconnection. What's going on, everybody? Ivan Temelkov here on Market Reconnection Podcast. And uh, today I am joined by Dr. Tracy. And just to give you a little bit of a brief intro uh, about uh, Dr. Tracy, um, she's an entrepreneur, someone that has been in the recovery world for over 30 years, and she has an amazing, amazing story of struggles and also of uh, building a business and following her goals and dreams. But uh, with that being said, welcome, Dr. Tracy. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I shared a brief intro about you and I didn't want to throw in a spoiler alert, but let's have you introduce yourself because I know you have a much better interest. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, so people can get, get to know you a little bit better. Oh, God. You know, it's always so hard to talk about yourself, isn't it? Um, <laughs> after writing a book on narcissist recovery, right? So uh, I'm Dr. Tracy and uh, I am... Um, an American-born Latina American Indian, and I reside in Newport Beach, California with my husband of 30 years. I have, I have specialized in narcissistic trauma, having lived it myself, <laughs> and uh, found the road way out and was one of those people in life who took a very painful situation and rather than let it be a ghost that um, occupied the, my soul for years. I instead gave name to the ghosts and created re recovery programs mm -hmm. for, for abuse recovery um, beyond the world of abuse, because anybody who's living out there who is in abuse, I know that it feels like there's not life after abuse, but there is. Mm -hmm. I went on to, uh, I own three different companies. Um, one of them is a real feel-good company. It's called Mrs. Globe, and it's the world's largest international telecast for Mrs. in the world. At our last event, we had 5,000 people in the audience and 100 million viewers. So she's a big girl. And then my most recent uh, company that I launched is called the Feminine Boss Academy and Community and Society. And we, uh, I specialize in teaching female entrepreneurs how to become the boss of their bee and their business with feminine energy and also their bank account and their body and their beloveds. <laughs> so it's a whole lifestyle about learning how to make choices to create your life by design and doing it in light of coming out of trauma. Mm. Because, you know, my mom had told me, she's told me many things in life, but one of the things that my mom told me, and it's, this is a really good piece of advice for anybody who tends to feel sorry for themselves. She said, you cannot reach a certain age in life with a certain amount of traumas. 
So you just need to settle into that, lean into that and say, this is what it is. And now where do I go from here? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice indeed. Um, And thank you for sharing a little bit about your background and congratulations on the companies. But I want to take you back a little bit more and kind of unpack a little bit about the trauma that you mentioned. Can you share a little bit about that story and like what what was it, if you don't mind sharing that, that you experienced that really kind of forged, I, I guess, you know, a path for where you are today and how you took that struggle to be able to evolve from it? Well, you know, the thing about the trauma that I went through is that uh, it was a slow grow. It was a slow growing cancer. And what I mean by that is, you know, from from my childhood being exposed to certain levels of narcissism, the the personality and the treatment of a narcissist and the behaviors of a narcissist had become normalized for me. And so anybody who is on the receiving end of, of narcissism, um, we, we get holes punched in our soul. So we're not full, we're not full functioning people. So we're, we're trauma and we're trauma wounds actually. Mm-hmm. So I entered my young adult life with, with already holes in my souls. And I ended up, um, meeting and eventually, unfortunately, marrying somebody who was a very high um, abusive narcissist, uh, a violent narcissist. And, and the difficult thing about narcissism is that, you know, narcissists wear a a fake uh, veil for about two years. And so we're normally knee deep into a relationship uh, before they begin to show their other colors. Yeah. And I happened to be married by that point. And I came from a very strong religious background. So just, you know, bailing on the marriage wasn't something that was an option for me. So to make a long story short, and I wrote about it, in my first book, um, it's called The Courage to Say No More. It's really about how I got, um, well, I always say that when we enter into a narcissistic relationship, it's no different than what cult leaders do to onboard their cult members. It's a slow manipulation that's packaged in love and safety, and it preys upon your existing wounds that they learn to listen very carefully to. Um, And once they get you in and you go through what is actually called narcissistic brainwashing, that you, you begin to just become that fuel source to them. So what happened to me, to make a long story short, is like all abusive relationships, uh, it's like an untreated cancer that it will just continue to grow and grow and grow. And um, to the point that I found myself um, owning all the everything that went wrong in in the world, because when you're with a narcissist, the sun doesn't come up, right? It's somehow your fault. And I ended up doing exactly what narcissistic trauma wants you to do, which is to own all the blame and the shame of it. And to the point that I I didn't even want to live anymore, that I thought that the only way out of this pain, since I was just such an apparently an awful failure of a person Mm -hmm. was just to check out. And my big turning point came for me personally was when we were at that point of, of, um, 
children. And I said, I just had like, gosh, you know, if there is a God, it's one of these moments that a thought popped into my spirit and said, it's one thing to do it to yourself. It's another thing to pass this on to the next generation, you know, under your permission slip. And so then I, that was my courage to begin leaving. And at that time, what made it so difficult, Ivan, is that there was no therapy available for narcissism. They would just say, okay, you need more boundaries. Um, You know, you need to treat your depression. And nobody was talking about what we know now as narcissistic abuse trauma and what we know now as narcissistic abuse syndrome and what we know now as not PTSD, but CPTSD, which is a specific condition comes from narcissistic abuse trauma. So that I I got out, it was, uh, I won't go into any more detail unless we, want to but it was a long journey out and when I came out of it and I was remarried my my husband his name is Spiro uh one day he says to me what are you going to do about all the pain that you went through and I said move on leave it behind me (laughs) never look back and he said Shane what if you run into you and a younger version in a few years and so that was the birth of my nonprofit charity that now Mm -hmm. offers programs of recovery year-round Wow. I love that. You know, it's a couple of things you mentioned when you were talking about narcissism. Um, you know, I'm an 80s kid and you were talking about the delineation of like PTSD and all these, you know, characters and traits that, you know, weren't, I guess, acknowledged in the earlier days, you know, 20 years to even 10 years ago, you know, of like narcissism, because I think maybe the society that, 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 that we're living in at the time, time it was being in part oblivious i think to it um, or maybe they knew but as you were talking about that you know obviously there wasn't any kind of a treatment available for something like that not to mention is ways to really depict the signs of a narcissist uh having having lived with a <laughs> ex-narcissist myself as you were talking about these things i actually thought you know what? These are just marriage problems, or these are just normal couple problems that that you have. And then suddenly you realize that no, it's not. It's it's abnormal. It's it's toxic, and escaping from that is the most challenging part. Yeah, um, that is such a good point. You know, the I think that one mm-hmm. of the reasons why it can be so confusing when you're in the blows of it is because narcissism is a spectrum disorder. It's not like pregnancy. You're not either pregnant or not. This thing can dabble from, you know, just narcissist, no, nothing, you know, um, to what is called now in the industry, self-love deficiency disorder. And then it can go into narcissistic tendencies and then it can go into narcissism and then it goes into um, uh, narcissistic uh, it goes to NPD and then it goes into antisocial personality disorder, which is, you know, former so- sociopath and psychopath. And within all of that, the narcissist can still have benign days where you're thinking, maybe I imagined it because there's the person, there's my original version of the person. And you go along in life and because it's, it's that volcano resting inside and it comes out of nowhere. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And and I love that you elaborated upon that, because I think it's going to help other people who are probably going through a similar situation, have gone through really kind of put, you know, some closure to that, because 
I, I know personally going through a similar experience, you know, probably by no means on the level of magnitude that you experienced just now you saying some of these things, you know, I think I was personally uneducated at the time of knowing how to look for those signs and the signs were there. It's just, you know, being able to, to make, you know, rationale of those signs was the most difficult part. And now being outside of that environment, it's like, like your husband said, is leave it behind, right? Is what are you going to do with all that trauma? Well, leave it behind. Nobody wants to relive that. You know, um, I think we can definitely learn from that. Um, but as you were talking about your nonprofit too, so as you were building that courage to escape from that, like at what point did you did you realize, hey, I can really help others? Like, did you have sort of an epiphany or something that kind of pushed you to realize that you know what, I'm a victim of this, but I can also help other people by doing, but, you know, starting the nonprofit, like, was there a turning point there for you? There, I'll tell you that there, there was. So when I came out of it, like so many mm-hmm. people during that time, and I'm 59 years old right now. So my, mm-hmm. my journey out um, was when there people were not talking about it and it did not have a yeah. name. So the first part of recovery is, it, it actually helps to talk to somebody about it because you know that you're not alone. And when somebody can validate and part of recovery from narcissism, because there's so many ghosts of narcissism is to say, oh yeah, that ghost knocks at my door and you go like, oh, I'm not crazy. So I think the big, the big turning point was um, I, I'm an empathetic, empathetic person and I didn't want other people, other women specifically to suffer like I suffered for as long as I suffered in trying to find my way out. My original abuse recovery program was just an abuse recovery program. And it wasn't until narcissism actually came to the forefront that we revamped the whole program to be very specific to narcissistic trauma. But when I very first started, um, I didn't have my PhD. Uh, All I know is that I wanted to help people. So I went and I hired a professional to come in. I said, okay, these are women who are going through this, that, and the other. And I'll never forget. I sat at the back of the classroom and uh, the trained professional started saying like, and you can find healing in the trees and in the mountaintops. And I'm not saying that, you know, those aren't wonderful meditative places to go, but when you're holding on to your sanity with every fiber of your being, you don't give a rat's ass about the trees and the mountains. You need hardcore tools to hold yeah. on to life because you're, you feel like you're about to get swallowed up or destroyed. And so what happened is that after that session, I, and, and the instructor left, I went to the front of the room. I'm like, okay, ladies, let me just add a couple more things about, um, about some abuse management skills. And I shared something that was on my heart. And when they left, they said, um, oh my gosh, can we come back for more next week? And I said, I don't have a program. And I said, sure. And you know what I did is I've always been a journal keeper. And Mm -hmm. so I I literally went back to my my beginning journals um, and I just read my voice and I read my pain and I read my therapy notes. And it's from that, that real, the real life tears, the real life searching that I condensed it into a very comprehensive program that we have now. It's called the Reclaiming Me program. And I love that name because, you know, when there's actually something in narcissism that's called identity theft. <laughs> and yeah. 
when I went into therapy, the, the therapist said, you know, like, oh, why are you here? And all I could say is because my brain feels like it's made of mush and I'm invisible. And so the program is all about learning how to reclaim. It's a one-year program, six modules, and we take it from what is this to when no contact is not uh, an option to dreaming and living. We deal with CPTSD. We deal with the shenanigans of the narcissist. And it's just yeah. an amazing, comprehensive program. Wow. So, you know, what's really interesting that, that you said about uh, when you said that you you walked up to the front of the room and you shared what was on your heart, I, I think that was sort of the turning point in part where I don't know if you did, but but it helped you really understand that you had something that other women needed to help them resolve a situation, a problem that they were having that was pertaining to your similar situation, your very exact same situation. And I think on the entrepreneurial side of things specifically, a lot of new entrepreneurs don't understand that if you have a solution that solves a problem like you did, it's really the spark for building something that's monumental that can help many people. And that was sort of the, I think, the spear for you when you you said, well, I don't have a program. But these women were like, no, give us more of what you just said. It was just basic, literally, give us more of what you just gave us. And I think that was kind of the birth in a way of your program that you just talked about, because you realize, you know what, I can totally blow this out. I can add more to this. And it's all about I think part of you, you were you were passionate about it. I mean, you had experienced this, you were passionate about it, and you deeply cared, which I 100 percent resonate with, because there's just not enough people who really generally give a shit in this world, I tell male you, or female. One of the things that kept me. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've had so mm. many people over the years tell me, you know, you got to get out there, you got to get out there. And one of the things that actually stopped me is, you know, I, I am such a lover of original thought. And I said, I don't want to jump in this in this machine where, you know, people hear one quote and start a program. You're dealing with people's emotional systems who are in survival mode. And, you know, it is so important that when, you know, if you, if you get out there, you better have a strong voice and a strong support system, healing and helping and being a coach or being a mentor or being a leader isn't about how many followers you have on Instagram and selling one pop round of a program. It is about changing lives and creating sustainable infrastructure in your work, in your business, in your relationships, so that there is a stronger tomorrow. And yeah. so I, I resisted jumping in, in the machine for a long time, but, you know, at, at my place in life, we, we've got this solid thing. And I, I know, which is, I think, part of sustainability in business, I know that when people walk through my door, we have a program that can and will change their life. We have the history to show it. We have the infrastructure to do it. And we have the vision in the future, how to keep it forward, which is, you know, all part of uh, part of business management. And, yeah. you know, this is not making lipsticks. We're repairing people's souls in this line of business. Yeah, I love you said a few things there that I want to touch upon is um, you when you were talking about people's emotional systems, 
um, as you were kind of explaining that, you know, this is life changing. This this helps people get on a path, find a path, women specifically, to find a path of how to recover and move on, because a lot of them don't. They get kind of stuck in that and they feel like, you know, it's the victim mentality or uh, punishment. You know, this is punishment, you know, like different thoughts that are going through your heads and emotions specifically, you know. But you said a couple of things there is that it's life changing that it creates impact because you also said it's not about how many followers you have on social media. And it's ironic you said that because I've talked to a variety of different people across different industries, different walks of life, different experiences, different backgrounds, everything. And suddenly there's this constant about impact, which is a core value of mine. And you said that creating true impact in one person's life, one female's life, one person who has struggled with narcissism in the past. And suddenly you realize that there's a constant in business and entrepreneurship that a lot of people don't realize. And it's about impact. It's about helping one person, not a thousand people or a hundred thousand people. It's about starting with one person. And that's exactly what you did. You realize that, you know what? I can help change the life of one person mm-hmm. and then I can do it for another and another and another. Um, so that's really powerful. And I wanted to touch upon that because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, especially in the beginning of their journey, entrepreneurs specifically of like how this can create a chain reaction later on and help more people because they're focused on many rather than, than just one, which I admire because it's all about impacting one person. Because then it's another and another and creates that, you know, chain reaction that you were talking about. Um, you know, one question I actually want to ask you specifically, since we're talking about trauma, and this is actually for me in part is, is there a specific, are there specific trauma that come from a narcissist relationship? Absolutely, yes. So, I mean, there, there are, this is, this is a very, very big question. So let me try to answer it in stages. So the first thing that I want to say is absolutely yes. Um, When it comes to narcissistic trauma, it ranges from physical trauma in that what happens because of the ongoing stresses that were in with a narcissistic relationship we go into what is called a state of, we all know fight fight or flight, right? Well, Mm -hmm. when you're in a narcissistic relationship and there's that constant, (laughs) you know, uh, that constant, the shoe's gonna drop, how are they gonna respond? Are they gonna perform? Are they gonna disappoint me? Have I pleased them today? Have I disappointed them today? If I've disappointed them today, how bad is it going to be? Is there another person? Is there not an, all thoughts that go in our head? Well, what that does is it it physically puts us in a state of fight or flight, which means that our adrenaline is going like this, right? The only time in life that we should be in a state of fight or flight is if the lions are outside of our front door and we're running for our life. We are not supposed to go into a state of fight or flight every day. It is an emergency procedure for our body. In a narcissistic relationship, we go into that emergency state many times a day. And what happens 
to in the hypothalamus part of our brain is that this fight or flight can actually get stuck in an on position. It would be no different than your gas uh, pedal getting stuck in an on position. And even if you try to shut it off, that's why, you know, for so many people that have narcissism, they're in a constant state of anxiety. Well, that's why is because they're, they have this flicked on. And what happens biologically over time, physically over time, is that if these acute stress factor affect uh, these acute stressors affect the the hypothalamus part of our brain and our brain actually shrinks. And so physically we have damages, the ongoing stress, cancer, um, depression, anxiety, you know, psychological, emotional disorders. Uh, and, um, and then the, the thing about trauma is about narcissistic abuse trauma is when you go to heal, you don't treat the PTSD. You have to treat something that is called CPTSD. And the mm -hmm. best way that I can describe that is when you talk to a narcissist victim, there is something and it's, it's in my book, it's called abuse amnesia, all these things are in my book that describe them. So what happens uh, as far as the victim goes, is that if I were to go to you and I were to say, come on, I mean, tell me, tell me about an, an incident that hurt. There is a chance that you would say, okay, well, um, all right. I know that they, they said and did this and um, well, exactly, exactly. Tell me what happened. And there's this amnesia. We know the trauma is there, but we can't always remember it. If you treat only the PTSD, that's the person who got in a car accident who when they get in the car now they have anxiety and they're able to say i'm having anxiety because of the fact of i had one car accident in the world of narcissistic trauma because there's so much psychological abuse that goes on there are hundreds if not thousands of battery points on our emotional system and it's impossible for us to isolate it so this is why CPTSD is, is the, the route to healing, not PTSD healing. The other thing I want to point out when you talk about trauma, the reason, and you mentioned something earlier about, you know, people just get stuck in this relationship. And um, I was there, I'm sure you were there, most narcissistic abuse victims end up there. Yeah. And you're saying to yourself, why can't I leave? Why can't I leave? Why can't I leave? Well, one of, one of the reasons is the trauma is so deep in our system because with narcissistic trauma, when, when you get hit, right? I penetrated this much of my skin. Mm -hmm. The next time I get hit, I'm not going to hit the same place. It's picking up on how deeply I penetrated. Now I'm getting hit there. The next time... Yeah. I'm getting hit here. I'm getting hit here. So our trauma wounds are getting deeper and deeper with every violation because the healing doesn't happen. Because when you go to try to heal, because every relationship has its trauma, there's something in, in, the, in narcissism that it's called uh, re resolution. Narcissists can't have, they can't have resolution. The reason that they can't have resolution is if there's resolution, there's peace. And if there's peace, there's no fuel. You see, so this is why trauma victims get stuck and can't heal for the longest time because they're not getting the tools that it takes to heal, which is 
which is resolution, which is truth telling, which is accountability, which is ownership, which is a new plan, which is repair, yeah. which is going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you're talking about, I mean, this is very powerful as you're explaining the the, the traumas, um, you know, with uh, narcissistic vista victims and narcissists specifically, and, you know, in terms of their behavior, uh, I think personally, I'm starting to realize that how much of that is probably in most relationships when you think about it, especially in the entrepreneurial world, because let's face it, being an entrepreneur, being in business, it's a beast of its own. And it can really create a lot of tension on relationships specifically. Uh, I know personally, I've seen some entrepreneurs from their early days to where I feel like they've developed into narcissists and that has created an impact on their marriages and their significant other in relationships because they were so intertwined into, you know, focusing on their end goal, which is great, you know, kind of like what you did with your businesses and being able to impact people, but they weren't realizing that they were degrading their relationship, you know, because they were so immersed in what they were doing. And, um, which I think is great about what you, what you're doing with your recovery program and your other businesses too, that really helps women, you know, women specifically, right. Or is it men also? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take a sidebar off of what you just said uh, with that is uh, I've been married 30 years and I am married Mm -hmm. to a really strong, amazing, incredible, uh, successful man who has had his share of of narcissism Mm -hmm. And we've made the journey together. And if you ever want to have a couple on and we can talk about, you know, what if you love a narcissist? What if you're both high powered business people? Is there hope for that? Or does every relationship have to destroy itself? Um, So we would love to talk about that. But it does affect narcissism does affect. And if you don't have strong uh, rules within the relationship, you know, narcissism can only survive under two relationship dynamics, a narcissist and a self-deprecate or codependent, somebody who has self-love deficiency disorder, because this becomes a narcissist and this becomes the fuel source or a narcissist with a narcissist. And in order to survive those relationships, you're either going to die or be you know, in that empty state of, of narcissism your entire life. And that's not a fun life to be in. Yeah. And so for people to maintain relationships, it takes two people, the person who's a self-deprecate to get their self-love base in line, because that's the only antidote to narcissistic abuse is to have that sense of that unshakable steely foundation of self-love that nobody on the outside can define you, that you define who you are. And it's also, it takes the narcissist to, to get into and do their personal work, to learn the shattering news that they are not the center of the universe. And also to do the shattering news that they, they are, are, are much more weak and vulnerable on the inside and to address that to become stronger people. So it's really about two mm-hmm. people who need to become stronger and have more a sense of the self-love because self-love is not narcissism. Big, big, big difference. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you talked about self-love and I'm glad that you talked about that. You know, it takes two to tango as they say, <laughs> because I think in, um, well, at least just recalling from personal experience in a former 
narcissistic relationship. I felt like it was so much about one person rather than two people, you know? So like you mentioned, you and your husband, you know, have both gone through your own journeys. And I think that probably attributes a lot to the strength of the relationship that you have built because you've been able to overcome and survive you know, these, uh, these situations. Um, One of the things that my, my husband would say on his recovery journey is he's, mm -hmm. he always said that the only successful relationship that a narcissist has is with him or herself. (laughs) And I was talking to a friend a while back and, and he had divorced in his relationship. And when you say to your friends, you know, Hey, you know, what happened to the relationship? He's like, there was only one problem in our relationship. What's that? Everybody was in love with the same person. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, that is very, very true. You know, um, you were talking about trauma also in relationships. And I think, um, something that actually came to mind, uh, that actually I want to get your take on is, do you think that narcissism can be developed as a result of a life-changing event, um, if that makes sense. Like if you experienced something terrible, right, and you weren't a narcissist, is there such thing where narcissism can develop as a derivative of that? So nar- we are not born narcissists. Um, and so that's something that's right. really important to know. We are not born narcissists. And so it is a personality trait that develops out always out of trauma. Mm. And so can it develop later in life? Yes. It's a slow growing cancer. It normally starts in childhood, always out of a trauma base, always out of some sort of a, an abandonment base, be it, you know, um, parental abandonment or be it, um, an abuse case where the child becomes a golden child and they're they're taught to to be um, an appendage of the parent rather than an individual person. Yeah. So can it happen as people get older? Yes. I mean, you know, it, it's 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 a personality disorder. I I have a very dear friend of mine who right now is in recovery and uh, from alcohol. And she didn't uh, step into alcoholism until her mid forties. So yeah, I don't think that there's any um, age group that say, okay, if you made it by 12 o'clock, 12 years old, you're not going to be who you made this past the narcissism. I think that anything can change us anytime along the way, but that's why it's so important to do our own self work. You know, the most important thing that a person can have to, to, cure themselves, to help themselves, to empower themselves is self-love. If you don't have that, you open, it's like going through life, trying to keep yourself warm by a screen door. You have too many areas that can enter your life that is not protecting you, but you get that self-love wrapped around you to the core of your being. And you are 100, 1000 times percent ahead of the game for success in every area of your life. You know, there was a actual specific reason. Thank you for sharing that because you actually sort of validated, I think, where I think, no, I, I know where the narcissism developed actually from my first wife. Um, like you said, you said specifically from childhood, which there were things in childhood. And then um, 
while we were together, actually, her her mom had committed suicide. She literally took a gun to her head. And I mean, she had a lot of mental problems. And uh, so she committed suicide. And after that trauma happened, I think that was a contribution to just opening up a full-blown narcissist because it was just a complete personality change almost overnight. You know, well, I, would, and- I would be curious to know that, you know, like was the mother and I'm going somewhere with this, was the mother yeah. a narcissist? Because what happens to a lot of children of narcissists is that because when you are the child of somebody with narcissism or any type of a, of a personality disorder or yeah. a mental illness, we feel powerless over it, right? We, and we own that responsibility. We hear it all the time that, you know, when, when young children's parents get divorced, children somehow yeah. think it's their fault, right? So it's that kind of a, a conversation that I'm having. There, if the mother was, and there was that sudden change in personality, it's very common for, for those of us who never got resolution with our parents to pick up their work. And we start doing their work, which is, you know, to continue on the abuse cycle or, you know, well, I've got to figure out, you know, I'm now slipping into a depression and now I need to figure out how to get out of depression because my mother never did. And so it's, it's, um, it's not the right way to do things, but a lot of times people will, um, you know, start doing the work of the other person. Yeah. I think on that now to answer your question. Yes, uh, I do. I had a very limited interaction with our mother, but from the things that I knew, uh, she was exposed to in childhood. I think in part, um, she was forced into sort of a cult-like religion that she did not yeah, believe in. Yeah. And in fact, this is precisely why actually my wife, you know, resented God for, well, just religion in itself entirely for, you know, the entire duration of of our relationship, which was seven years. Uh, we were married for four well, all together, seven were together for three, married for four, and then it just collapsed uh, right after that. And actually, it wasn't my choice. It was hers. And now the more I realize it, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason. And sometimes when things are happening, we question the reason behind it, especially when something bad is happening in our lives. You know, we question like the repercussions, like, why am I experiencing this? Whether it's life, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances, anything, really, we always question. And so to answer your question, yes, I think there was a a historical chain, I believe, Mm -hmm. of that. And I think her kind of being in sort of an isolation a little bit where, you know, she didn't have family close by for, you know, the entire time. So her family was all in Florida. Actually, most, most of her immediate family was in Montana. Her father-in-law was in Florida. Her mother and her brother at the time were also there uh, also. And she had no family here in Missouri, which is where we lived. And so there were just a lot of different things in that. To answer your question, yes, I believe there was a history um, on her mother's side. Also, the really attributed to it. Uh, And I appreciate your sharing that because you know, a, a lot of this, as we're talking about narcissism, there's so much of that that attributes to how how he plays in the entrepreneurial community. And I think a lot of people don't realize that 
you know what? You might be living with a narcissist. I mean, I know if I open up my Facebook stream, there's at least three people who are talking about I've lived with a narcissist or I was married to one or I worked with one, you know, and suddenly you realize, you know what? This is a lot more common than, you know, we thought. You know, I think it's a pandemic. I think that uh, yeah. that it, it is a pandemic. And, you know, <clears throat> when I first started running the, the when we changed over from just it used to be called the right living program, then we changed it to the reclaiming me program, specifically specializing in narcissistic abuse. When we first changed over, people were like, well, you know, I don't really know if I I'm not I'm not with a narcissist. And um, and and now where we are in the class is we say you may not be married to a narcissist but the thing about narcissism it's it is such a pandemic right now a narcissist could be your parent it could be your sibling it could be the pta lady that that you have to work with it could be uh your instructor it could be your boss it could be your kid i mean it could be anywhere around you and if you don't understand what you're dealing with it's going to sting you and poison you at some point and, and, and start to destroy your relationships. I had so many who came through the door and they're like, I'm, I'm getting ready to quit my job. Even men, I'm getting ready to quit my job because I, I can't, I can't work with this person anymore. Come to find out they would describe them like, sounds like you have a narcissistic boss. And, you know, I give him, uh, and again, in my book, the narctionary, I give him a tool called gray rocking. You need to learn to gray rock. Because they're narcissists, it's a simple formula. Narcissists are looking for fuel. They know that you're an easy fuel source, which means a reactionary yeah. person, yeah. Uh, and get getting a response out of them. And if you just learn to gray rock, and gray rock basically means get a personality of a gray rock. How are you? Fine. What's going on in your personal life? Good. Yeah. It's just gray rocking. They can't fuel source you. And when they f- cannot fuel source you, a narcissist will go away. Yeah, that's I could literally open up an entire segment just around what you said, because I've had at least one narcissistic boss and actually one specifically backfired really bad on social media because I went out and basically called him out on bullshit and he resented completely. And the next thing you know is his friends and his friends and his friends and acquaintances. And now suddenly I'm a martyr. I'm like, all right, Ivan, you should have known better, man. Like you shouldn't have even like called out his bullshit because you knew immediately, like you said, they see you as easy fuel. That's exactly what they saw me in. And of course, now his wife's coming in and starts talking and me on social media. And- you did something that is the cardinal rule against narcissism. When see the biggest fear of a narcissist yep. is to be discovered as to how weak and fragile they feel about themselves on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so when you touch upon something that that says, Hey, you're weak and fragile, and I'm calling you out on it, that what happens is they have what's called a narcissistic injury against in the book. Um, yep. a narcissistic injury. And when you cause a narcissistic injury, you are going to get retaliation. And then the second part of your story is what, what your narcissistic boss did. And, and I I love my book because I say that I give name to the ghosts Mm -hmm. of narcissism is your narcissist called out um, their flying monkeys. 
And the flying monkeys are the people. It comes from the the show, The Wizard of Oz. Remember the the mean the mean wicked witch. Well, she yeah. had to do her her bidding. She had to go out and do mean and evil things, and she wouldn't do it because she has her narcissistic image to maintain. So she sends out her monkeys to do it. So in narcissism. Yeah. The people who the narcissist employs to go out and are deploys to go out and harass or or investigate uh, their target. That's what they did. And then the third thing that happened to you is the wife got involved. And in narcissism, that thing that they did, that's called a smear campaign. And the smear campaign is just a way to destroy the person who leaked the information about the narcissist and cause the narcissistic injury. And then the fourth thing that they do is when they name call and they, they call yeah. the, what do they call you? The, the, the victim. What did you the say? Victim. Yeah. The victim. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, that's- oh, martyr. Uh, I, martyr. they try to make me into a martyr. And actually, since you were explaining this, by the way, thank you because the the context out of that that I took is what's really crazy is she still follows me on Instagram. Even this, this occurrence happened. It's probably been at least a year, maybe even two at this point. And she's the only one. And I haven't blocked her because I was like, all right, well, she didn't do anything to me directly. So there's no reason for me to block her. But she literally watches my Instagram stories. And I'm like, is she literally spying on me? Because that's literally what it looks like. They do. They do. It's called detectiving um, yep. in, in narcissism yep. recovery. It's called detectiving because they get in there and they just have to detective, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I, I know we can keep this conversation going and I appreciate all of the knowledge that you shared. Oh my God. So powerful. And in closing, a couple of things. First of all, the name of your book one more time. And then secondly, where can people find you on social media? Oh, you're so awesome. Okay, so the name of the book, it's called Narctionary, and it is a dictionary specifically for people who have been exposed to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, narcissistic abuse trauma, and are in search of narcissistic uh, abuse recovery. It's just a quick reference manual mm-hmm. um, so that when you're going through, you're like, wait, what was that? What was that? And it came from actually a, a little file that I kept on my phone for the longest time when I was in my recovery, you know, uh-huh. well, three monkey word salad and poop in your soup. What are we talking about here? You know, Mr. Breathy, who's that? So, yeah. uh, so it's called Narctionary. My recovery program is called Reclaiming Me. And where you can find that's a year long recovery program specifically designed to heal the traumatized emotional system that's caused by narcissistic abuse trauma. And you can, the best place to reach me is on Instagram. Okay. At Dr. Tracy Kemble. And now we can do reclaiming me at Dr. Tracy Kemble. And it's Kemble, K-E-M-B-L-E. Excellent. Excellent. Oh my God. This was an amazing conversation. I, uh-huh. I think this is going to enlighten a lot of people and, and literally push the question of, am I surrounded by at least one narcissist? Because I think just by you sharing all this information, a lot of people are uneducated of the signs specifically of a narcissist. Where oh, live with my, book has it. my book has a self-assessment test in okay. the back. Um, you can take a test. Thank you for recognizing that. You can take a test that will let you know how much narcissism 
uh, you've experienced, uh, how much trauma, how many trauma wounds that you've endured and how far along you are on your recovery journey. Because a lot of people, because it, narcissism is a ghost that mm-hmm. they're, they literally say, you know, what happened to me? And I put yeah. this checklist so that, you know, you're not crazy. The more you check means the more you're suffering in this area of your life. Tracy, thank you so much for this powerful conversation. It was an absolute pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Whether you on the outside of your market trying to tap back in, or just need a little help to find a way to gain some traction again. You need some market reconnection. We got the answers to your questions. No second thoughts or second guessing. You need some market reconnection. Market reconnection.